Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Tanner Bybee on the Just Baseball show to close the week. The Guardians' right-hander joins Peter and Aram on the Just Baseball show for Friday, May 12th. Before that, want to tell you a little bit about Tanner Bybee. Jack, Aram, welcome to the Just Baseball show presented by BetMGM. Use promo code JUSTBASEBALL for a deposit match or JB fans for $100 in free bets when you put $10 down on a uh, um, on a money line play. I think that's yes. the deal. Yes, that is the deal. Exciting stuff. Uh, tell me about Tanner Bybee before you and Peter launch into it. Obviously, Guardians right-hander. He was fifth-round pick out of Cal State Fullerton. And this guy all of a sudden exploded in the minor yep. league. Started in single A. Just succeeded at every single level, man, mm-hmm. and got up. He looks like a rotation piece for years to come in Cleveland. So there, we talk about it on the call up a lot and, and I've had him on the call up. So, you know, if, if you enjoy this interview and, you know, want to hear even more because Tanner is so awesome, go check out that interview we did, uh, I think four months ago, five months ago on the call up. This is going to be cool because we get to talk about his, his big league starts so far. He's had three under his belt two great. And then one a little bit shakier, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk to him about that because he's so good. He, he's so positive. He has a great mentality. But there's nothing, what we talk about on the call, there's nothing better in terms of a pitching prospect than a guy who has succeeded at every level off of pitchability, off of mixing up pitches, throwing strikes, and then sees a massive uptick in stuff. Because it's like, okay, this guy already knows how to pitch, and now the stuff is elite or really good, and now it's just, it's best of both worlds, right? And that's exactly what Tanner Bybee is. He got outs at Cal State Fullerton at 88 to 91. He and then ticked up his first year of Pro Ball to, you know, 92, 93, and saw huge success that way, but then ticked up again. And now he's mid-90s with nasty stuff, a good changeup, a good breaking ball, uh, and a fastball that really jumps. So this was a dude that had to learn how to pitch, learn how to pitch, and then now has grown into fantastic stuff. And you've got, which is, it's funny. It's similar to Shane Bieber. Uh, We always talk about it. Bieber now has seen his stuff kind of take a step back after injuries, but he has survived because 
He learned how to pitch at this velocity and this caliber of stuff. Bybee, hopefully his stuff never backs up, but we've seen now a guy that really has taken his game to the next level because pitchability was always there, and now he's got frontline kind of stuff. So you never see this trend unless it's a Guardians pitcher, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Ray, but, but it's a Guardian. And, and this trend is shown statistically as well. He played four years at Cal State Fullerton. At Fullerton, he had a 3.82 ERA, punched out just under eight guys per nine, walked two and a half per nine. So 2.4 walks per nine, 7.8 Ks per nine, a 3.82 ERA. In the minor leagues, in 148 innings, 11.3 strikeouts per nine, so up four from his college numbers. Walks per nine is down from 2.4 to 2.1. And his minor league ERA, his ERA in professional baseball, is a run and a half better than his college ERA. 3.82 at Fullerton, 2.13 in the minor leagues. That doesn't happen for anybody, but it happened for Tanner Bybee. That's what happens when you know how to pitch? And then you grow into fantastic stuff. That is so awesome. And you spend all day, every day working on your body. Like his full-time job is professional baseball player. Yep. And and he talked about it. And we'll probably talk about it, you know, in our conversation with him. But what we talked about in the first conversation I had with him was a lot of it was just diet and just life habits and things like that. So, um, yeah, just just really focused on that. And all of a sudden you, you get a guy that was maybe profiling when he was drafted as a, you know, back end starter that you know just gets out to yep. now a guy that could be a frontline kind of guy you draft somebody 156th overall as a four-year college arm you're like oh hopefully he can climb quickly and be a depth arm yes obviously the guardians yeah, i think they saw something in him the way they do with a lot of arms stole him in the fifth round and he already looks like one of the biggest steals of the 2021 draft already three big league starts under his belt two fantastic ones one against the rockies one in new york where he goes five and a thirds of two run ball and struck out five walk. Nobody you know, had, had his welcome to the big league start against the Tigers three and two thirds. He gave up four runs. I love how that's like the welcome to the big league starts. Like, I think that is the bar for Tanner Bybee. Like that's going to be the bad start for him is like four runs. So, you know, it's really a testament to how good he is. I, I feel like he's impervious to the blow up because of how calculated, how poised he is. And um, I'm excited to talk to him again, because this is a guy that just, he's such a good dude. You'll come away a fan of his without a doubt in my mind. And you'll be rooting for him, whether you're a Guardians fan or not, after this conversation. It's so funny. The in the Guardians, like minor league ranks, the amount of successful college arms they have, like they have a type. Bybee is one of them. Gavin Williams, their top prospect in the organization, is another one of them. Williams hit 101 in a AAA start. For more on that start against Ellie de la Cruz, who's the top prospect in baseball. Go listen to the call up. But then you keep on going, man. Logan Allen, who's up and throwing really well for Cleveland. Justin Campbell, who's a right-hander in their organization from Oklahoma State. Then you go to a guy like Parker Messick and Tanner Burns. Xavier Curry was good at Georgia Tech. You've got Hunter Gaddis from Georgia State. Tommy Mace, Doug Nikhazy. They have a type, and they are absolutely executing. Let's not waste any more time. Here's Guardians right-hander Tanner Bybee with Armin Peter. And we're joined by Guardians right-handed pitcher, Tanner Bybee. And Tanner, first and foremost, congratulations on your big league debut. You now have three starts under your belt. I still had to fight the urge to say Guardians pitching prospect because last time we talked, that was your introduction. Now you're just Guardians pitcher. Congratulations, man. And uh, really excited to chop it up with you now with three big league starts under your belt. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah, we only talked a lot. It was like... January, December, November. Yeah. And since so, yeah. then you've jumped multiple levels and now have three big league starts under your belt and yeah. pitched in Yankee stadium. Life comes at you fast. Really quick. Yeah. And uh, at this point in the podcast arm, we've now had on Cal Quantrill, Nick Sandlin, and now Tanner Bybee. We're really becoming like just guardians. Yeah, this is this is a this is a pro guardians podcast. We were talking about it before we recorded, like the the whole cow story, uh, and just like how long Peter's been a big cow guy, but then also just we've always been pro guardians because of just the way the way the team is. Like, how do you not like Stephen Kwan? How do you not like you know Will Brennan? How do you not like like all of the players through this team, top to bottom? How do you not like Josh Naylor? Like, it's such a fun ball club that uh, it's funny that how it's worked out where we've been able to have you know several guardians players on and. You know, it's really awesome to see you climb all the way up. And I think it was that start 
that you know you made in Worcester where it was like, oh shit, this guy's going to just force his way right up to the big leagues. And, you know, I had been hearing some buzz that, you know, oh, Bybee's up to upper nineties. He's like flirting with a hundred during the off season. I shot you a message. I was like, I heard you're like, you're up there right now. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Downplayed it. Watch the game. You hit triple digits. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a problem. Um, dude, what, what clicked for you this off season? Cause we've seen you tick up in velocity and we'll go back and talk about your whole story. We discussed that on the call up. We'll, we'll kind of rehash some of it, but this is like your second major tick up. How did that happen? Like, how have you gained so much velocity and, and how much exactly since, you know, maybe your final starts at Fullerton? Uh, I mean, since my final starts at Fullerton, I think I was probably like 91, 93, I would say mostly. Um, this last off season, I think it was just like getting comfortable with the routines. And I think like just finally being able to practice the right things. I think like that's what I said, talked to you about before, yeah, yeah. but I think just like staying on the path, I mean, it just keeps ticking up and it's been going, it's kind of, it's been okay right now, but um, it's been, it's been feeling a way better now than it did a year or two years ago at this point. So I have a I have a question about uh before um we get into kind of your entire career, but taking it all the way back, settle a debate for us. So on this podcast, I'm from California, arms from Florida, and Jack okay. lives in the middle of the country. And we've had okay. a big Culver's versus in and out debate. And you went to Mission Viejo High School in California, yeah. right near me where I went to Dos Pueblos. You went to Cal State Fullerton. Now that you're pitching for the Guardians, have you had Culver's? Can you confirm what what burger is better, In and Out or Culver's? I haven't had Culver's, but I already tell you right now it's In and Out. I'm Thank a huge, you. Because you're a smart person. So, I'm a huge you're a smart guy. guy. I love it. This this is Look. so skewed. This is so <laughs> skewed. You're, you're, we're, we're surveying a guy from exactly where you're from. Basically. <laughs> no, we're surveying a smart person. That's yeah. what happens when you talk to smart guys. They come out and they say In and Out's the uh, best. Anthony Bourdain, maybe the best chef of all time when he goes to california or of course rest in peace anthony bourdain when he goes to california in and out in and out we're off to a great start really? okay all about all right. Tanner, try culver's try culver's and and get back to us because i actually i want the report i know you have to say in and out it's like some like california law but like i want your honest thoughts we can keep it between us we'll we'll, we'll talk about it later but i want to i want to get your honest thoughts between the two i've, I've never heard of the the in and out culver's Debate. I've heard of In and Out Whataburger. Thank you. Uh, it's it's, it's only a debate, a debate on this podcast, and and we didn't think anything of it. And then our DMs, our mentions were just blowing up because we kind of, I kind of downplayed Culver's too. I was with Peter in the beginning because I'm from Florida. I've never heard of Culver's. Um, and people from the Midwest were pissed, man. Like they were mad. So like we're like, shit. All right, we're gonna go and try it. We we were down for the World Baseball Classic. And uh, apparently there was a Culver's in Florida. We drove like 30 minutes from my house, went and tried it, did a review. I thought it was better than In-N-Out. Peter wouldn't admit it, even if it was. Yeah. And Jack No, because it wasn't. Culver's. It wasn't. That's like going outside and saying the sky is red. It's just an incorrect <laughs> so thing to we'll, say. We'll need your review uh, when you get back to us. But I bet a lot of Guardian fans will not be thrilled with the In-N-Out over Culver's take. That's okay. We'll keep it. <laughs> I'll, I'll stand strong with that one. What they will be thrilled about, though, is is that big league debut and then even the follow-up after that. I mean, how strong you looked, how were you you were able to just kind of hit the ground running right away. And, and, you know, obviously what you do on the mound is conducive to success at any level. Mix up several high-quality offerings and throw strikes. But still, it, there's something to be said about when you step onto the mound and across from you, because I, I can imagine – you're looking at a lot of guys that you probably watched play major league baseball from the time you were 13, 14, 15. I'm thinking Charlie Blackman, some of the other players that you probably saw across from you. How did you manage your emotions in that first start? Because I feel like everything's happened so quickly. We talk about that. We, we talked not that long ago and it seemed like you were a couple steps away from the big leagues and all of a sudden now snap of the fingers, you're at the show. Yeah. You know, how is that whole process for you? And, you know, can you kind of just take us through where you were at mentally as you towed that rubber? I mean, the first inning, I mean, there was a lot of emotions. Like our uh, our mental guy talked about, like, talked to us about, like, what's going to happen when you make your debut? Like, why 
like you can't feel your legs or like why you can't do this. And when I stepped on the mound, it was like so much stuff where it was just like, I like could not feel my stomach. And the first guy I was facing was Charlie Blackman. And I was like, obviously he's been like multi all-star, like been in Colorado a long time. Like I grew up watching the Dodgers. So like I watched him on TV a lot and then seeing like Chris Bryant, um, cause obviously won a, won a world series in Cleveland, like in Chicago, whatever. But I mean, there was so many emotions, but I mean, once I kind of, once I drilled Blackman with the fastball, I was like, okay, we're good. First at bats over, let's kind of get it rolling. And then I kind of, after the first inning was over, I kind of settled in a little bit. So I watched that start and you were absolutely filthy. It was so much fun to watch you tow the rubber against the Rockies. And I heard over the broadcast that you were the first Cleveland pitcher in the live ball era from 1920 to now to record at least five consecutive strikeouts in a big league debut, which I just thought was amazing because Cleveland is a pitching lab. They routinely have guys come up your teammate, Logan Allen. We were talking about Curry before it started, like Bieber, Quantrill, McKenzie. There have been so many good pitchers to come to Cleveland. How did you feel kind of during that stretch where you're just mowing people down, doing whatever you wanted with your fastball and slider, which were just working so well off each other. Like, how did that feel to just, it's your first start and you're already setting records and you just have command of everything that you want to. Yeah. I mean, it felt really, really nice just because that first inning was a little rocky. So I think that when I settled in and I think it was, I punched, I think I punched out the side in the second and I struck out the first, the first two in the third. I think it was, um, it was, I mean, it was, it felt like everything was clicking the right way. Um, and yeah, a lot of those guys, I think have done a good job of like kind of helping me through it and talking through whether it's like Cal, Bieber, Tristan, all those guys of like how it goes and how to do stuff. And, and it's been fun so far. Well, and you mentioned some of the pitchers that stats so ridiculous too, Peter, cause it goes all the way back to like, you, not even all the way back, but you, you got Corey Kluber, you got CC Sabathia, you got yeah. Bob Feller would technically be live ball era, right? So like that is there's some insane pitchers that pretty you think sure would... some dudes throwing like 84 miles an hour in 1931 are even on that <laughs> list, and Bybee's crushing them. He destroyed. Yeah, them. so which is absolutely awesome. And uh, what would you say the the biggest change was for you? You know, you go into triple. From what I've been told from guys in the minor leagues, they really feel like the big change in the strike zone was double to triple, where you start to see you know that strike zone be a little bit closer to mirroring what you get at the big leagues. Obviously, nothing quite mirrors it because it's it's so 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 precise there once you get to that level we're yelling at guys for being wrong four out of a hundred times but other than maybe the strike zone being a bit tighter were you surprised maybe at the way and again you struck out so many guys in a row but were you surprised at like maybe some of the takes that hitters had like man i made a good pitch there and he spit on that or like uh you execute a pitch and a guy fouls it off and you know you're not used to somebody getting to that pitch like was there anything that that surprised you where you're like okay this is a different level here yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't the the rocky start where I was kind of surprised at like the takes. Like they had a couple of good takes where it's like I throw a good slider. It's like, oh wow, good take. But uh against the Yankees, it was I threw a couple of felt like really good sliders and it just felt like it was like really easy take. And I was just like, Jesus, man, like at least like kind of opera at it. So it's like I know you like that's what you're looking for a little bit. But I think um I think the uh, approaches are they really stick to their approach. They really don't deviate as much. And I think they really know what they want and what they don't want. And I think they, that's what they're so good at. And obviously they can adjust like, like super quick. And I think that's a big difference. I am. I am curious too. Was it more nerve wracking to, for your first start or the start at Yankee stadium? Because not a lot of young pitchers make their first start and then go immediately to Yankee stadium where the crowd is just yelling at you no matter who you are. I'm curious if what which start was more nerve-wracking. Like, I think I was more fired up. I think I was nervous for the first one against the Rockies, but I think I was more, like, fired up for the Yankees one. Yeah. I think, I think that's, like, like, you get the guys yelling at you when you're warming up, and you kind of get this, and it's just like, the great people okay. in New York. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you kind of just want to like, 
shove it like you just want to shove after yeah. like people yell at you and like you get felt you kind of get rolling a little bit and you're facing obviously like judge and stanton were in the lineup but like you're still facing like i never faced volpe in the minors but like he's this like he's a big prospect you have yeah. throwing against anthony rizzo dj lemayhew so it's like like you're pretty fired up to face those guys it's kind of like the blackman chris bryant thing is yeah. is there a part of you that when you face a guy like Anthony Volpe, like maybe a guy like that is more important to get out than an Anthony Rizzo? I know that might be a weird question, but just both of you, prospect pedigree, does it ever creep in the back of your mind that I want to get Anthony Volpe out and show New York fans that I'm that dude? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. Because it's like, it's almost like Rizzo is is there and he's done it and he's going to continue to do it. Like he's going to, continue to hit 280, 290 with 30 bombs and play first yeah. base in New York. But it's like me and me and Volpe are and it's a great player. Like we're both trying to establish ourselves. Like we're both trying to do the same thing. And it's like we're almost starting off at like even ground. And it's like I want to prove that I'm better than him and he wants to prove that he's better than me. Like that's what makes like baseball so fun in my yeah. opinion. So kind of going back to starting the season in the minor leagues this year, you know, obviously it was, it was very brief uh, and what you did last year, I think is really what kind of helped catapult you so quickly to the big leagues this year. And then of course, circumstances is things always happen that we don't expect at the big league level. And that's why the guardians are perpetually good is because they have dudes like you just waiting in the wings, which is so unfair. And we always talk about how annoying it is, how the guardians continue to churn out talented pitchers like yourself. But you probably went into this year, going into the season, you knew the big leagues was was within the cards, but no way you would have thought you would have got caught up this quickly, right? Or, or maybe you did. Did you have any idea kind of what the timeline would be? And was this quicker than you thought, uh, given you know what you thought going into the year? Yeah, I mean, I knew the history with the Guardians and the the starts in Columbus. A lot of like their guys have been like, a, it's kind of like almost like a pit stop. I did not think it was going to be three starts and I was out of there. Um, I really thought it was going to be month, two month, like something happens at the big league level and I'll get my shot. And I think I spent three weeks there, or three starts, probably like two and a half weeks. And I think Tristan went down before the season and then Savali had an injury and I think it just opened up. And cause especially when, when Battenfield went up and then Logan Allen went up, I was like, okay, they're probably going to chill out here with the call-ups a little bit. And then it just, I just got kind of got lucky with the timing, I think. And a little bit of it's like creating your own luck with the way that you were able to throw, you know, in double and then in triple. Uh, speaking to your arsenal a little bit, because I, it was cool to see the different ways that you would attack hitters. You had the fastball that you really set the tone with. And, you know, that that fastball, especially in that Worcester starting triple, was really jumping in that start. I was seeing like up to 21, 22 inches of induced vertical break, which is insane. Thing um, and then in, the, in your fastball. big, which is, it's just unfair. It's just unfair. It's unfair. <laughs> and then you're mixing in the, the slider, the curveball, the changeup, uh, you know, at the big league level, have have you, you know, tinkered at all with with your pitch usage there? Because again, we're kind of talking about some of the things that may play in the minor leagues. Maybe you don't get away with it or don't work as well at the big league level. Is there anything that you're kind of working on now? Because you have such a deep arsenal, you command it all so well, and and it's so many different big league quality pitches. You know what's kind of in the works for you as you continue to adjust, even though you you seem to have been acclimated pretty well. Yeah, uh, I think it's. I'm going to get pretty technical here. So last year, I, my, so my windup and my stretch, my head and upper body would say super quiet. And I think that this year in AAA, I think I was really leaning back. And I think in my, in my last start, I think it got too lean back. And I was like really going back and forth. I do this really weird movement where if you slow it down, like I won't, it looks like I stay stacked, but I go, like I go, my torso will come this way and then back up. And pretty much me going backwards like this would make me have, would have to make me go backwards, forwards here. And that's just a lot of movement. And I think that's something that I've really tinkered with to try to find a, a happy medium with doing, which last year I did a really good job. And this year it hasn't been like as good. So I think that's one thing where I've kind of tinkered at the major league level and in AAA this year. of like trying to find a happy medium with like that that torso and like what to do with it in your first three starts have you felt yourself reverting back to that like do you have a special cue 
that you goes off in your head. You're like, Hey, I got to lean back a little bit, get back to it. Yeah. I think, um, I think my first two starts, I think I did a pretty good job of it. I think my, my last start I didn't. And that's why my command wasn't as good, but I think, um, I think being more quiet, I think is the, is the goal. I think it's, if I can stay quiet and then let my torso naturally do that, I think that's going to be the moneymaker for me. And just to quickly follow up on that. And the only reason I asked this question is because I know you're going to make the adjustment and I see the talent and you're going to have an amazing career in major league baseball but you had two really, really good starts. And then you struggled a little bit in your third start. What type of adjustments are you going to make to that next start to get back to those first two dominant starts? Cause I know you're going to do it. I just want to hear how. I think just the, the delivery and the, what I was just talking about, I think is going to be super important for me. And I think just um, the pitch selection where whether it's just like keep mixing, don't kind of fall into the fastball slider. Cause when I really fall into the fastball slider and get away from the, change up in the curveball is kind of when I kind of fall into um, fall into trouble. I think if I can keep them off balance, keep them mixing, then I think they can't necessarily sit like two pitches on fastball slider. They have to sit three. I think I was talking with Aaron about that the last time I talked about him. Yeah. yeah and I, I don't want to tell you what to do, but you got to throw the change up more. Cause it is so disgusting, man. It just drops <laughs> off the table. Just selfishly. Uh, I want to see more of them just cause they're awesome. <laughs> that. That's what I was going to ask you. So it sounds like the fastball slider, like the, that's your bread and butter, right? And that's what we talked about. But it, it, is there a third, like of the third and fourth pitch, because you got the curveball, you, you've got the changeup. Is is there one of the two that, that you kind of feel more comfortable going to? As you know, Peter said, that changeup is really damn good. And and when we do our live, our live look, at, you know, after this episode, which will be, you know, streamed. And by the time people are listening to this, we'll be out um, on the call-ups YouTube. And you can probably see it on my, on my personal Twitter. I highlighted a couple of changeups that were disgusting. Disgusting. Like it looks like you have a really good feel for that pitch, but you also have a great feel for the curveball, and you've landed that first strike a lot this year. Uh, which of the two pitches are you more comfortable with, or is it kind of even? I think it kind of depends on the situation. I think so. I think the changeup is a better strikeout pitch for me. Um, I think the curveball is definitely a like a get back into the count, like start the count, oh oh, like kind of that kind of thing. But I mean, like in my last star, I struck a dude out with my curveball. And I've struck out guys in my changeup a lot. Um, I think the torso thing I was talking about, I think that has like made my changeup a little less depthy, but I think working on what I was talking about, I think it's going to really make it better. So I would say it kind of just depends on the situation. So another question kind of taking you back before even getting to the big leagues. I always want to ask because, you know, there's a few players that were in your situation of a guy who was draft eligible in the, in the COVID year, but there was only a few rounds. And then you went back to school, then got drafted, then tore your way through the minor leagues. And now you're in the major leagues. What, how did it feel going through COVID after having a good season and going back to school? Like what was your mindset going into that senior season at Fullerton, knowing that the next year you were probably going to get drafted, but what kind of changes did you make? And I'm just curious, that whole COVID year is also just so interesting. Um, so pretty much when I didn't get drafted in 2020, I went up to driveline and they kind of pretty much just in- introduced me to weighted balls. And my two goals of that year were to throw harder and to uh, win, like college wins, try to get like the team, like try to get them as much as possible. Like we didn't do great that year as a team, but like I did throw harder, like a little harder than my last year. But I would say like when I didn't get drafted, I was pretty upset so I wanted to go change something. And my agent was like, like, it's just because you're not like throwing super hard. Cause I was like 88, 91, like control guy, pitchability guy. Um, and that was the one thing I was like, yeah. And, but then I was, yeah. And now I need to, then I was like, at that time I was like, I need to change something. So I wanted to go like kind of just take the bull by the horns and just kind of try to like get out of my comfort zone almost. And I assume as soon as you get into Guardians camp, like you're first drafted, you go straight into the minor leagues, they must have given you some tools in order to just increase that velo because that's, you know, we talk about that on the podcast all the time. The Guardians are in almost a tier of their own of grabbing guys who are good pitchers in college and then getting their stuff and then just shooting it up to make them elite starting pitchers in the big leagues. Like what was that first instance where you're like, holy shit, I'm in the pitching lab. I think, honestly, it wasn't anything super crazy, but I think it was just cleaning up my mechanics. Whether it was, I think, 
the um using my lower body i think helped me like cleaning that up helped me throw harder and i think cleaning up my upper body helped the profile whether it's like the ride like the induced break you guys were talking about um and i mean i think separating my two breaking balls i think those two i mean the it's just some things they tell you like while you're throwing like a bullpen or catch and they're like why don't you just try this and it's like i would have never thought of that and then it's just like bang it's like instant feedback and players love instant feedback so they're like oh wow this works i don't have to spend like four months, six months on trying to do this. Are you, are you able to peel back the curtain slightly and give us one of those adjustments that they give you just for us who just want to know how to pitch in case arm and I like, you know, I, I did pretty well in my softball game. Like, arm you know, shot. No. There's no <laughs> yeah. I'm just rolling out my shoulder. Hey, you never know. Our, we're in the prime of our careers. Late sort of. from surgery. I'll never be the same. <laughs> um, unfortunately. No, but no, seriously. Yeah. I don't know. Can you answer that question? Are there any like specific cues or like little things that, you know, that aren't guardian secrets? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like me coming in there, my, the fastball profile was super like dead zoney. So it's pretty much like when, when you see a batter, like come back and like, Oh, like flat fastball. Like that's what my fastball was. And pretty much my slider and curveball were the same pitch. So they kind of really blended together. One was just harder. So kind of just being able to, whether it's like getting more behind the baseball on the slider and the fastball, I think those were the two things, at least for me. I can't like blanket statements say like this, but that's what worked for me. Is there anyone that you like to model yourself after? Again, it's it's interesting because like, you know, what you were at Fullerton is very different from – who you are now as a pitcher um so maybe who you modeled yourself after then is different than who you like to you know look at now but it seems like a lot of the pitching prospects i've talked to they all have that like prototype that they like to look towards obviously you're not imitating them but you're taking some things here and there because it's a proven successful prototype did you have that prototype you know before or now or or on the way um that you kind of like to draw some inspiration from early early in college i really liked watching granky just because it was super, super, just like, I mean, you guys have seen him. It's, just crazy. it's nuts. Like what he does, he's a psychopath on the mound. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's like a super villain. And then, but now I would say, I mean, the two guys, the last couple of years I've liked to really watch is um, Glasnow and Bueller. I think mm. those two are the guys that I like to like, just like the way they, the way they pitch, the way they act, the way they, everything they do. I just really like it. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, we have uh, Walker Bueller as a weekly guest on our podcast. Um, he comes yes, on every Monday and he breaks yeah. down the game so well, as you do too. Like, it's just so much fun talking to not only pitchers who know how to get outs, but have kind of been through the ringer and then have just been learning the entire way and then can just talk to our audience about that. It's really cool. I'm also really curious too, because you've been up now for a couple of weeks and you have expectations about your team, right? You know that J-Ram is going to be really, really good. But was yeah. there anyone when you've come up so far for the Guardians that you've been kind of blown away by their talent that you didn't necessarily think of when you got called up? Honestly, I'd probably say uh, Gabriel Arias. Huh. Like, wow. he is, I mean, he he has probably one of the best arms I've ever seen. Hmm. He hits the ball uh, hard too. I don't think people realize how hard he hits the ball. I think I, I was. It was the game on. I think it was yesterday. Our game. Um. At, like you know, how they put like the stats on the board, like the little like like little paragraphs, whatever. And it was like he led the team in average exit velo, and I was like, really? It's like that's crazy, because we have Jose Ramirez on the team. We have Josh Bell on the team. Josh Naylor. So it's like, wow. I'm also curious, too, because um, I assume you've thrown to Bo Naylor in the minor leagues, and a lot of Guardians fans are going to listen to this podcast, and I see it all over social media. They're clamming for the young guy, Josh Naylor's brother. And, you know, when we spoke to Sandlin and we spoke to Quantrill, they were just raving about the duo of brothers and how athletic they are, and they even have a younger brother on the way who's just as athletic. Like, what have you seen from Bo in the minor leagues that makes you think, yeah, this guy's next up? I mean, every like a lot of catchers in the big leagues, they're not. I mean, obviously, like most of them aren't great hitters because they're they value more defense than hitting. 
But the thing with Bo is that he does both. Yeah. Coming up to AAA, it was the pitch calling, the blocking, the throwing, like everything about it. And he's just a great dude. And then you put on top of that the bat, which he's got in third, I think, in AAA every day. And he's catching five games out of the six games a week. Like everything he's doing is crazy. Like catching five games out of six games in a week is crazy. I throw once and my body's destroyed. <laughs> I was sore and, after my slow pitch softball game. <laughs> and he stole 20 bags last year too, I believe, yeah, which is even more absurd. Like he's, that, that, it's insane. Um, I, I wanted to ask you too, like even, even in AAA and just kind of being a part of this, this system from top to bottom that is so talented. One of the last questions I'll ask you is just, when you're surrounded by this level of talent, like how does that elevate your you know efforts? And I mean, I know you're a hard work, worker period, but kind of just elevate your game. I'm, I just watched Gavin Williams the other day. Oh, wow, like, holy crap, that's the next guy in line. Again, it's really annoying what you guys do, but he was spectacular. He's touching 101. Uh, his yeah. slider was gross. The cur- Similar pitch mix to you, honestly. Maybe doesn't go to the changeup as much, but it's just like, you look at each of the different pitches and you're like, he can go to any pitch and any count. This isn't fair. Uh, what is it like kind of being surrounded by those guys? Now you're surrounded by a very talented big league team on the way up and everything. Did you feel like that kind of elevated your game a little bit? Yeah. I think the one thing that kind of separates those guys from the guys in the minors, is just like how smart they are. Mm-hmm. Like talking to like Tristan, Cal and Shane about like how they pitch and Got to be like, so cool to talk to Shane. Their thought process—it's crazy because you don't realize like how much thought they're having to try and like get outs. Like I think Cal Cal was talking to me and Logan about um, there's like three things you want a starter to do. Like you want to you want to go longer than him. Like you want to go mornings. You don't want to give up the first run, and you want to win. And like the way he thought it, like he said that, I was like, wow. Like I never thought about it that way, and I I really liked it. And He's I think just, that's what he does too. Like it's what he, that's what Peter can speak to. He wins. he wins ball games. I love his mindset. When he came onto the show, like that's you see the poster behind me. That's Cal because yeah. that's a winner behind me. Like any dude, like you put him in the game. Like I, it was so cool breaking down the games with him because he would just say, like, my only goal is to win the game. Like you talk to a lot of pitchers, and you know they have this you know specific way of doing things. But on his mind, it's winning, and that yeah. feels like it's a clubhouse wide thing with you guys and that's why it's so much fun to watch guardians games because you guys play as a team it doesn't seem like a bunch of individuals on the field trying to get theirs you guys have one goal and that's to win and it's so much fun to watch yeah no yeah the the culture there is unbelievable i mean again with cal i think his last two starts he's went into i think he's thrown seven and eight innings he took the no hitter into the sixth or the seventh or something like that and I think his first or second inning, I think it was like he kind of walked the bases loaded or like walk, walk, hit by pitch or something. And then he went like pop up, double play. And it was that like, man's an escape artist. I've magician. never seen him. He's a magician. <laughs> I was like, that is magician. unbelievable. And it was just looked so easy. It yeah. was like it didn't phase him. That was the one thing that I was super impressed about. It was like, like didn't look like anything phased him. Bulldog. I have, I have one more question. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I have one more, too. So yeah. you want to go ahead, Pete? So this is something that I meant to ask at the beginning, and I think you kind of already answered this, but I've noticed from your starts you have stay verti itched on your glove. Is that what you mean by staying vertical? Like when you were talking about like kind of moving your body back and staying level, is that what it means? Because before talking to you, I thought it means like just the vertical life on your fastball, just throw fuss. That's what I thought yeah, it meant because the fastball yeah, is so electric. Is that what it means? Yeah, it's the the induced like because I <laughs> my fastball used to be so bad and I couldn't get outs with it. And then if I if my fastball's flat, I'm not gonna get outs. If my fastball is verde, then I'm gonna that, punch people so, out. That's so electric. <laughs> I love that. That is that is sick. That is sick. I actually really like that. We got to make shirts for that. Yeah. Um, seriously, stay verde. Uh, last question for me is other than you know. 20 inches of induced vertical break. We talk about winning. What's what's a personal goal for you uh, for this year? Obviously, it's stay and succeed. But you know, beyond that, you know, do you have any personal goals as you you know, kind of embark on this first full pro season or big league season? Excuse me. 
Yeah, I think um, I think obviously staying healthy and not missing a start, I think is super important. I think the Guardians value that a lot, and I do too, just because I you don't want to be injured, obviously. And I think um, last so last year when when we were in high A, a big like our group of like starters in high A, um, it was a guy who went to Sandlin's high school uh, college, Southern Miss. His name's Hunter Stanley, and he would always talk about like. You it's like say you go like five innings, give up one run, punch out ten, and you'd come out come out of the game and he'd be like, hey, like that was a great start, but it wasn't quality. It wasn't a quality start. Didn't go six. Sorry. So, and that was always like a running joke. Like, say you went like something like that. Like you just absolutely dominated. Didn't go six. Didn't go six and didn't give up less than three. It was like, sorry, man, you weren't quality today. And I think that was. I think that's always a good goal because. If you don't go six, you can kind of burn the pen a little bit. And if you go up, if you go up three runs or less, I mean, you're keeping you're keeping the offense in the game. And I think that's the name of the game as a starting pitcher is going deep and keeping the offense in the game. Sorry, I do I do just have one more question. It's about the Guardians as a whole, um, okay. because you guys are a team where it's I think it's visible that you guys don't panic, right? Because there's other teams around Major League Baseball who have kind of gotten off to rough starts. We talk about them on the podcast all the time. And the Guardians, it's not like you guys are off to a bad start. You're hovering around 500. But what's the vibe in the clubhouse right now? Because you guys are also a Guardians team that has been perpetually competitive, perpetually in the playoffs. And to go through a little bit of a rough start early, like how is the atmosphere in the Guardians clubhouse right now? Honestly, I mean, I couldn't tell a difference from day one I was there to now. I can say that just because like, like, I think, I mean, yeah, we haven't been winning as many games, but we've been kind of cold and we're still, I think it was like three games out of first place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, everything's going to start clicking. I feel like we're just getting some bad luck here and there. And I think that once some stuff starts clicking, I mean, it's going to, when we go on a hot streak, I mean, we're kind of one of the when we get hot, like just from watching last year, like when they got hot, they got hot, hot, and they were they were hard to beat, and they're so they were so scrappy and so like on everything, on every little detail, to where it was, I mean, it's fun to watch, and it's probably not fun to play against. And, and we were looking at this team and saying it's better than last year, and so that's why you play one sixty two, right? It's a marathon, and you got a lot of time, and it seems like to Peter's point. Uh, the guardians they, they stay the course and by the end of the season you look back you look at the standings you say oh yeah there they are again and uh like you said only three games out with a quote-unquote solo start you guys are in great shape and i'm excited to see you pitch some meaningful ball games uh i know they're all meaningful but some really meaningful ball games down the stretch man and i know you're built for it and you know you, you've got the just baseball group behind you here we're, we're big fans of what you're doing I, we talked about it in the intro but one of the best messages I've ever received in my life was, you know, after I hit you up, like a congratulations on, on, uh, on the awesome start. And you said like, Oh, I wore my just baseball hat to, to the field. I was like, that's the coolest thing. I, I that's, that's the nicest thing anyone could have ever said to me. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Dude, we got to take a screenshot with him in the uh, just baseball. Yeah, gear. We all got ours on right now. But Dude, that, was, that with fired it. me up like none other. I was like, we oh, need it. We you, need you a pulled tanner- up to the field. In the JB hat and then threw a hundred. Like that, there's nothing better than that. There we go. Let's go. Well, I've been screenshot this bad boy, but we need a Tanner Bybee shirt that just says "Stay Verdi." That is so. That's what I'm saying, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad that it wasn't just like, "Oh yeah, I have to keep my body." No, like it reminds me to throw fuzz. Like it reminds me, like my fastball is that that pitch. (laughs) This is so much fun, my man. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank yeah, you so much, Tanner. I, I really appreciate it. Well, well, if you're up for it, we'll talk to you after you shove at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs and uh, knock the Yankees out of the postseason. Sorry, Peter. No, um, fuck it. I want to see him shove. <laughs> Tanner, thank you so much, man. Best of, best of luck the rest of the year. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys. You knew he was going to be good. I love that Peter had a great time with Bybee, and uh, I, I think it's pretty easy to root for this guy. I mean, like I said, kind of going into it, it's it's one of those guys that yeah, I can 
confidently say when we go into the interview, uh, having you know been fortunate enough just to interact with him a little bit prior to our first interview with him and just you know shoot back and forth on DMs and just just stay in touch and just like this guy is way too normal. Uh, you know, and that's the case with a lot of big leaguers, so you'd be surprised. But you know, I think he's a guy that it still seems like he's uh getting used to being the big leaguer because uh, this is a guy that's had a rapid ascension. Talk about going straight from, you know, getting drafted in the fifth round to just flying up the minor leagues, uh, just carving up dudes like you talked about before we interviewed interviewed him with, with the stats and just getting to the big leagues before he blinked. I mean, not very many guys get up that quick that aren't drafted in the first round, uh, which is really remarkable about Bybee. And uh, you can tell he's just soaking it all in. Yep. So you get the chance to watch Bybee, I think on Sunday, right in Cleveland. Yep. He opposes Patrick Sandoval. Uh, and the LA Angels. That's the Peacock start. That's 11.35 a.m. Eastern. So Welcome to the bigs, Tanner. (laughs) Yeah, the West Coast kid. Time to start at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. So brutal. All right. um, To wrap the pod, I just want to run through like the games of the weekend to watch. I'm going to ask you to pick a winner here. Uh, I love that we're starting to do this on Fridays because there are a whole bunch of good matchups, good pitching matchups too, that I just want to throw at you and see what you're thinking. And you know, I, I guess it helps our BetMGM folk. Also, last thing on Bybee, known wearer of Just Baseball merch. That was that was one of the coolest things ever. Um, shot him like a, a message after he had like one of his first starts of the year. Just absolutely carved Worcester. Car, just one of the best minor league starts I've seen in a while. And I shot him a message just like, congratulations, dude. That was, that was fucking awesome. And he said, it must be because I wore my Just Baseball hat to the field. And I yeah, was like, right. that's the... Like I couldn't have crafted a response better. Like that, that was the coolest thing that's ever been sent to me ever in my life. Um, so that was super cool. Known wearer of a JV hat, Tanner Bybee. So uh, pick up your own rope hats. If Tanner Bybee wears it, shouldn't you? Yeah, you absolutely add. should. Uh, add, yeah. total add. Mervis wears uh, his JB merch too. Yes, he does. Yes, he so, does. All right. This is exciting stuff, man. Um, yeah. No, I was... Uh, as soon as you you told me that Bybee said that, I texted my buddy Cooper Boardman on the Woo Sox broadcast team because he carved through Worcester. He carved through the Red Sox yeah. AAA affiliate, and Cooper's a great friend. I was like, um, Bybee apparently showed up to Polar Park in a just baseball hat, and you didn't say anything. And he said, if I saw that, I would have actively rooted for the Columbus Clippers and that. <laughs> so I, that. I really appreciated that. All right, games of the weekend. Let's start on Friday uh, and let's start with a massive, massive debut. Yuri Perez is a big leaguer. He makes his major league debut at the Depot, at Lone Depot on Friday against the Reds and Graham Ashcraft. This will be really fun, man. I'll be there. Uh, will I you? will be there. I will be there. I will be there. And um, I'm excited, man. We we just talked about how we felt like he was big league ready, um, at least in the respect that he can help them. You know, I, I don't think he's to the best of his ability ready, but he's ready to help them. Ashcraft versus Yuri. Dude, this is going to be a fun matchup. I, I might go with the Reds. <laughs> I think the Reds might win that one. I could see Ashcraft kind of making – making work a quick work of the Marlins lineup. Um, I don't know how Yuri's going to do. I'm very interested. I think there's a learning curve here. I think this is a big jump for him. He struggled in spring training. I don't know. I'm nervous. But I think overall, I think he's going to settle in and, and be a nice piece for them. But the first start might be a little rough. And we acknowledge, though, that if Yuri performs well, this bullpen is like very sneakily been one of the better bullpens in baseball, especially Somehow. in tight games. A.J. Puck has been elite Yes, he had like one bad outing, maybe two, but now he, he settled back in again. He's been awesome. They're getting JT Chagua back, who like, I didn't think he'd be much of a factor. He's humming 96, is 97. He looked really good before he got hurt. He's about to come back. Dylan Floro has been great. Yeah, this bullpen's been, if if they, their issue has been they haven't had guys going deep into starts. Edward Cabrera is the most miserable roller coaster Dude, ride. it's so tough. It's tough. It's it, I, I think they got to consider, you know, but they can't because they're thin right now because Johnny Cueto's hurt. Otherwise, I think they'd consider like you know getting him some innings, L, you know, in AAA just to like work through the command challenges. But you so know, he's just not. Go, he's he he's hurting the bullpen because they're not getting length. Uh, right. It, Jesus Lizardo was went through a little bit of a stretch where he wasn't giving length, and then Edward wasn't giving length, and then Sandy had a couple bad starts, and it's like, geez, man, 
But Yuri, when he's cruising, like he will give you length. And I think that's going to be huge for the bullpen. And the thing is, I expect Lazardo to give them length. And Cabrera, like when he's in the strike zone, he's awesome. But he's gone through four or five tightrope acts through three and a third at this point. It's just it's, been brutal to watch. It's brutal to watch. And it, like you just you feel like he's wearing himself down. They're high stress pitches. And it's crazy because he goes first two innings. I think it was like five Ks, no runs. And then the wheels fall off. It's it's very, very, very weird. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's part of the reason why they're calling Yuri up. Yuri is going to be, I think, from the jump, even if he does struggle a little bit, more effective than Edward because at least Yuri throws strikes. For and sure. when he's pitching at home, he's got a big ballpark. He's going to pound the strike zone with the fastball and the slider, the changeup. We talked about on the call-up hasn't totally been there. But again, he throws strikes. We'll mix it up. I, that'll that'll do better than walking guys left and right. So, you know, we'll see we'll see how the command is overall, but I think the control at least is going to help him keep guys off of the base paths at least in regards to free passes, which the Marlins need right now. Yeah. All right, so you go Reds over the Marlins? I do. I I I think the Marlins are going to struggle to get to Ashcraft. Um I think Yuri turns in an okay start. I think he's going to look like a rookie making his first career start. Interesting. Okay. I, I will probably also go with Cincinnati, but I think low scoring game. I think like three, like, two reds. That team's not good, but that's not like a lineup where it's like you're breaking into the big leagues and you're facing the Royals or just it, right. some absolutely atrocious lineup. But they've the got some guys like swinging it. They, the White Sox, they've got <laughs> some guys that are swinging it. All right. Jonathan India has been great, but Jonathan India has sucked away from, uh, from, I want to say course, great American might as well be course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I don't feel great about it. All right, um, 7.05 on Friday night, Garrett Cole against the Tampa bullpen. It'll be uh, by committee in the start on Friday night, but Garrett Cole, 5-0, and a 209 ERA, sees the Tampa Bay Rays. What goes down there? So it's who's who we don't know. It's just committee for the Rays at this it's point? It's committee. McClanahan's on Saturday. They got to Cole pretty good last time. I think Cole bounces back. I like Yankees in that one. Especially at home, I go Yankees. Mm-hmm. I think Cole um, bounces back. All right, Strider, north of the border, taking on the Blue Jays. Spencer Strider against Chris Bassett. And Bassett's rocking like a 4-3. But I just want to see Strider against this Jays offense, man. Yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, the Jays offense is good. I think Spencer Strider might just be better than everybody. Like, it might just be that simple. That said, like, what's the one way you can get to Strider? Ah. I don't know. Like I was gonna say, the one way you can get to him is the long ball, but like no, he's not even really giving up long balls this year. Like no. he, he's not really doing that. He's only giving up two home runs. I'm gonna go Braves. Okay, I'm gonna go Jays, and I'm gonna pull a yard card here. I've got Dalton Varsho taking Strider Ooh. deep. I like that. I like that. Uh, okay, Angels Guardians. Logan Allen, the lefty, sees Tyler Anderson. That's a good one. Allen's been good. Anderson's got a mid fives, but Cleveland yeah, can't hit at all. I like the Angels. Okay. Okay. I think I like Cleveland in this one. I think Logan Allen <laughs> might show. Really? This Cleveland offense, man. And again, it's There's against the lefty. Like I feel like Tyler Anderson's looking at this start and saying, oh, here's my chance. Bounce back start. <laughs> here's my chance to get back on track. Yeah. You know, as a left-hander too, I hopefully I'll have some more confidence and pound the zone. Logan Allen's good, but I don't love the matchup for him against, uh, you know, Shohei, Trout. You know, you get them with high spin fastballs at the top of the zone. That's not Logan Allen's game. Yeah, I think second yard card thought was uh, Mike Trout. Yeah, in that case. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, all right, and then at 10-10 on Friday, Dustin May, 4-1 with a 2-6-8 against Blake Snell in L.A. I think that's a blowout. Really? Okay. I think our friends at BetMGM should have that priced at like minus two fifty. Damn. Damn. I, I just I, Blake Snell's so terrible. I nice. has he been better lately? Like I haven't. I, I don't even tune into his starts anymore. Like no, I mean, Snell's rocking a four nine right now. He's one in five. And May's been fantastic. It's a home game. It, these games have become so heated in terms of the fans more than the players. But I love it. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't like I don't like the Padres in that one. I'm looking home road splits right now too. Snell away has a five nine. Yeah, that's tough. All right, Saturday seven fifteen. Dylan Cease against the Astros. Brandon Belak gets the ball for Houston. Um, dude, were we really gonna talk about this one? 
Well, I just want a quick winner because I mean it's it's not a stud for Houston at all. I don't care if it's me. Really? I think Houston okay. wins out. Dude, Cease, your boy Cease doesn't look good. Yeah, he's got a five six. <laughs> well, not the opposite of the bounce back opportunity. Although I will say, like the, the Astros offense has been a little bit like diminished compared to what we're used to. I think they're gonna continue to get going. They've been looking better and better. Um yeah, your boy Cease is coming off of a seven earned run outing against yep. the Royals. Yep. The Royals? Yep. Belak looked okay. Like I think he's looked all right. I, give me the give me the Astros. All right. Uh 105 on Saturday. Shane McClanahan against Nestor Cortez in the Bronx. Woo! That's a good one, man. Yep. Give me Yanks again. Okay. I think this is a statement series for the Yanks. Give me Tampa. I think McClanahan moves to fucking eight and zero with a sub two. Yard card. Who do I want to pull my yard card on? Judge. No, that's lame. Yeah. Yard card. Oh, no, nah, I can't go left on left. Anthony Rizzo. You know <laughs> it's a bad prediction when I'm struggling to pull the yard card. You don't have yard to right card. Now. Yard card. Harrison Bader. Okay, Bader taking McClanahan deep in a Yankee win on Saturday afternoon. I go uh, McClanahan allows one or zero earned runs, and he improves to 8-0. Um, all right, I'm not asking for a winner. Bryce Miller gets the ball in Detroit. How many punchies? Oh. <laughs> Please don't put Miggy in that game. Um, <laughs> like He's going to break five bats. Uh, I Gosh, I'm going to say 10. Yeah, I was going to say, give me 10 or 11. He had 10 last time out. Give me 11. Unbelievable. When I tell you you're only as, you're as good as your fastball with some guys, there you go. Yeah, he's great. He's got a .75 through his first couple of starts. Um, All right, Saturday at 110. Last one for Saturday, I do think. Yep, last one for – no, second to last one for Saturday. Um, Nick Lodolo, Sandy Alcantara, what you got? I'm going to go Marlins in this one. I, yeah. You know, I, I think Lodolo's looked a little bit more human. Marlins have actually been better against lefties this year. Um, I think Lodolo is going to be solid, but Sandy back at home, you know, against it, I, the line, the Reds lineup isn't uh, like an absolute joke. Like I said, with Yuri, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but with Sandy, I thought he looked fantastic last start. Almost went, almost went to CG. Um, I think this is going to be like uh, I'm back on track to kind of start with with Sandy building off of what he did eight and a third last last inning okay. or last game, excuse me. Last one for Saturday: Joe Musgrove against Julio Urias in LA. Woo! That's must see TV. Is that on a network? Do we know? I'll tell you right now that that's game... got to be on a network. Yep, it's on Fox. Yeah, there we go. Love. Who does that, does that mean? Uh, who's on the call then? That's. That'll probably be um it might be Joe Davis, it might be Benetti. Um, and then either I or oh my gosh, is that yeah. must see TV? I'm gonna sit back, put my feet up. Uh well, we gotta we gotta talk to Walker. Um, oh no. Pick your poison. Best game of the week or talking to Walker Bueller. So either way, that's gonna be fun. I'm gonna enjoy no, that's both. Maybe both at the night. same time. Oh, that's Saturday night. I don't yeah. know why I thought that was Sunday night. Saturday night. Yeah, that's that's electric. I'm excited. So back to back wins with that Saturday night and then Sunday night we record with Walker. That's that's a great weekend in my in my mind. A hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, only game. Oh, did you pick a winner? I thought you told me not to. Oh no, that was the Bryce Miller one. I'm sorry, yeah. I haven't eaten yet today. By the way, um, oh, we talked about my eating habits. Good. It's two thirty as we're recording. Yeah. Um, I've had three coffees, no food, and I'm like kind of kind of losing my mind. Any a water bit. or just coffee? No, I got some water at least. Okay. I, it's just, this was just one of those days where every time I was about to get food, I had to do something. So if I sound a little bit weird, a little bit crazy, like that's why. Gotcha. Um, what was the game again? It was the game. <laughs> it was, oh, it's Musgrove versus Arias. It's the one yeah. I'm most excited for. Okay. Winner is Jason Benetti if he's on the call, but um, give me, give me the Padres in that one. They steal one back. Okay. Um. All right. And then let's finish with the one game on Sunday I want to highlight Cubs at Twins Marcus Stroman against Louis Varlin what happens it's Cubs at Twins okay give me the Cubs in that one okay. and Matt Mervis first career home run ooh against Louis Varlin yep guy he's All seen right. before guy he's had some success against in AAA Matt Mervis first career home run comes against Louis Varlin on Sunday Love it. All right. Pulled some yard cards there. All right. 
Happy weekending, everybody. Again, this has been the Just Baseball Show presented by BetMGM. If you like the Tanner Bybee interview, go listen to his interview last year on the call up with Aram. Uh, go listen to the rest of the podcasts across our network and get some merch. Every other link you need is in the episode description. And we will talk to you guys with Walker Bueller on Monday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.